Welcome, welcome. This is Simply King. Thank you to all that have already listened to the first part of this episode. Definitely continue to listen to hear the rest of the episode. Um, the second part, if you haven't checked out the first, stop this now. Go back, check that out, come back and hear the rest. And thank you all for listening. And continue on sharing and sharing and sharing with your friends. This is Simply King. But uh, to direct it uh, to another film, uh, another great, great film that has been getting so much attention, mm-hmm. which is Moonlight. Yeah. And this is going to kind of segue into kind of like our underlying part of this uh, talk conversation, you know, talking about race and inter- intersectionality and just the layers that come with film. Because specifically with Moonlight, mm-hmm. I've seen it. Um, I enjoyed the film, but I think um, after like like hearing about all this hype is what it was like. Damn, yeah. Because I remember seeing the film um, before. I remember seeing like the uh, like an interview before the film came out. I think it was with Variety with the cast. It was an mm-hmm. interview, and I was hearing about the you know components and the dynamics that they placed in this film. How they cast these three characters to play this one person to show different parts of their lives and all these different things and. Um, and they kind of like went about saying, you know, it's this sexuality component of it, it's you know, you know, this you know, class component of it, just growing up and identity is so many different layers. And I'm like, okay, sounds like a good film. I'm just gonna mm-hmm. go check it out. You know? Yeah. I wasn't like, oh my god, this film it was so needed. It was so this, so that it changed my life. Blah 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 blah. blah. I wasn't. I didn't come out of the film. Yeah, I didn't feeling either. that way. Yeah. And that's why I was like. I saw a lot of people react that way. Yeah, I, it was so many people who was like talking about how they cried, how they felt. And me and my, you know, best friend Juwanza, who I who I spoke of uh, earlier, mm-hmm. he, me and him were on the same page on that. He was like, I was watching, I liked it, but yeah. it was like moments where I liked it, but it was moments where I was like, after seeing the whole film, I'm like, I mean, it was it was good. Yeah, but I ain't gonna say that it was like. Yeah, you know, people making it seem like it's like whoa, it's a bigger deal. It's the but biggest thing that I think came I, out. Yeah, in I so think long. I get that though. Like, I think I get that sentiment, and I don't disagree with it. Mm-hmm. I just didn't have that reaction. Yes. Yeah. I get I get the sentiment, but also what's uh um because I'm always you know trying to look for you know some racial shit in something sometimes, <laughs> especially when it's like certain things. Mm-hmm. When it's certain things, I'm always kind of like sketchy of it and the fact that it was like a black man and he was gay and he was kind of battling with his own identity and sexuality and just not being connected to the world and people in general it's just so many different things that mm-hmm. this person went through um that that's the story of a lot of people a lot of people go through that same thing and i think it was clever on how they told that story mm-hmm. from that vantage point but for me i was kind of thrown off that so many people who didn't have a relation to this film really enjoyed the film. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I feel like that's why I liked it the way Mm -hmm. I liked it and kind of felt the way I felt because there's been films, I don't want to say films like that, but there's been very, very black films Mm -hmm. that have came out that have been artistic, that have had a message, had so many layers to them. Okay. But they're kind of thrown away to be like, well, this is just, you know, yeah, that's just a black film or Mm -hmm. I can't really find any relatability to it. This, that, and the third. I think this is one of the, the, you know, one of the few that talks about, you know, kind of like masculinity mm-hmm. and sexuality. And I thought that that's interesting to find that that's the bridge that makes this palatable for, for mostly everyone. everyone. Yeah, you know, that is. That is and something I was like, I was like, yeah. I was like, damn, I'm kind of disturbed on 
why like, this seen, is the thing. And like I've seen, I've seen so many interviews of the cast and Mahashala Ali, who is an incredible actor. Yeah. Him like going and him speaking about you know his character and all these other and all the other actors talking about their characters in the film and especially the main three and them speaking on you know why they felt like it was important why they felt like whatever whatever and then like damn they're getting a lot of attention for this Barry Jenkins mm-hmm. um, the director of the film getting a lot of attention for this and I remember Mahashala I think it was in his uh, Variety uh, interview he was saying he, they they just knew this was gonna be a beautiful art film mm-hmm. which is the way I seen it I was like it's a very artistic. Yeah. I know for a lot of, and, and usually with artistic films, you have to have a palette for films in that way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like in a matter of uh, how I seen her. Yeah. Her was very artistic, but you had to have a taste for that. For those types of films. Kind of like in, when it comes to independent films, you, everyone wouldn't go and see these types of things because mm-hmm. you would have to like be able to understand the nuances that are at play. Right. They're not going to be always in your face because they're independent films. Yeah. You can't, you know, pay for all these different mm-hmm. things or do all these, or have subtle the time editing. To do all these so it's yeah. subtle editing. It's like they, they write the script in a creative way so that it does the job without having to, you know, need explosions. You need an explosion. Very expensive special effects. Yeah. Brilliant. I thought a lot of the choices they made were very, very dope, but that, the reception of the film really threw me off. I guess I think I was talking. Um, I was talking because I saw it, and then I immediately um, talked to Dara, my girlfriend, mm-hmm. um, about it. And I was saying that I yeah I don't really see that connection of why it connected so many people, but in a way it makes sense because of how the story was told. Like mm-hmm. it kind of it's simple. Like I can give you the premise without spoiling too much of the movie. Exactly. It's the life of a young boy mm-hmm. to adulthood who is black, less, you know, less fortunate, um, has a mom who's addicted to drugs, um, and is realizing that he's gay. And what does that mean in, in the, in his life and how he has to maneuver point blank. Mm-hmm. Sounds like fairly simple story. Mm-hmm. It is one that doesn't get told. So I exactly. get like, that's a piece of it, but, at the end of the day, it doesn't feel like it's really about any of those things. It mm-hmm. doesn't feel like it's really a movie about being black. It doesn't really feel like it's a movie about being gay. Mm-hmm. It's just a story that's really well done. Exactly. Um, just a really well coming of age story. You know, there's so, all these other elements into it, but it doesn't really feel like it's about any of them. It's just, it's a slice of life. Like, here are three different episodes to tell you about this person's experience. And I guess you find your own ways to connect to it, and maybe that's why it was so. I think I think that had a lot to do with it. Yeah. I think the fact that it, it's almost in a sense of you know a painting in the gallery. Yeah. You know, it has the elements that's put into it, and the elements that were put into it were very intentional. Mm-hmm. But you perceive them, and they're still because art yeah. is subjective. So you see the art, art it being an art film, mm-hmm. they painted it as something that is very open. Yeah. You know. I I feel like fill in the spaces where you see fit. And and because of that, I think it's great that so many people identified with it. Because it's like, it, 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 what I, usually it, happens yeah. in films is people of color have to relate to the people yes. who don't look like them on the yes. screen. And we have to, like, it's expected that we, like, like Seinfeld or we'll like, I don't know, you know, all these other films that are considered classics exactly. that don't have representations of us. Exactly. Like, somehow we have to find a character to love. and You don't like this? You don't like it's this? How do you not like this? It's great. It's blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, no one looks like me or sounds like me or dresses like me on this show. But somehow we do it. Like, I love a, a ton of quote-unquote white shows. I love them. Yeah. And I find myself within them because I've, you know, had to step out of my shoes and do that. 
where I feel like the reverse is never asked. Mm -hmm. White people never have to watch like Martin Lawrence's. They don't know that Martin Lawrence had a TV show. They don't. And that Jamie Foxx had a TV show. They don't. That Flex Alexander had a TV show. And Steve that Harvey. Stevie had Harvey and Queen Latifah had and like TV shows. all of these great black, you know. Uh, and not, not just black, there's George Lopez, and there's a lot of other TV out there. Who transcended past yeah. there. That um, transcended, but uh, they never get asked to do that. And so it's, I think it's just great that this is a film that has, whether it's a sneak attack or whether it's just a natural, like, they found themselves within people that don't look like them. Like, I think it's a great product for, oh, just yeah. for that. Like, I, I, there was I, I a woman agree. in her family when I saw it. Um, they stayed... Um, and I actually got to see, like, it was just, like, this dope after-credits interview that, I, for whatever reason, the theater I was at played. I learned a lot about the film, but I could hear her talking to her family about, like, wow, like, she was problematic in her phrasing, but I could see that her brain was working. And she was like, wow, like, you see that, that they live lives, too, being the they, like, black man. Mm -hmm. And this is a white woman in her family. And she's like, oh, and you also see that, like, they also have struggles with sexuality and identity and blah, blah, blah. It was a very otherism sort of moment. It very was. But I like, was like, ah, she's getting there. So I'm it, not mad it, at how she's phrasing it's it. It's almost crazy how she always was like, damn, they're people. Yeah. Like, it, like she, <laughs> I could tell that's what she wanted to say, but she clearly had some awareness that she was they're, in public. But human. like, wow, they're human too. They're human too. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you on that. I do believe that that is something that is a positive that came out of the film that but I do think it was a lot with the approach. Yeah. Because I feel like there's a lot of films that are quote-unquote black films that are very, like, you have to understand the culture to understand yeah. the, the language. Mm -hmm. You know, the things that are being shown, why they're being shown in that way, the, just the choice that are being made. And for a lot of people, it's like, I don't get it. Why would he say that? Mm -hmm. Or why is that a joke? Or yeah. why is that funny? Or why are they always talking about each other? They don't seem to like each other. It's like, no. Sarcasm. That's a joke. Yeah. It's joning. It's Roasting, it's roasting, it's yeah. whatever. Don't think about it like that. It's not that. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, all these different kind of wittinesses about it and just all all these things. I think it's very interesting that this was the one to kind of break the camel's yeah. back. And for it to get so much critical acclaim, mm -hmm. um, which I I'm, I'm support, support everyone who's a part of the film because I know it's going to open up even more doors for you. Yeah. And so many more doors for you that, you know, that you probably didn't even think were going to happen from this. And um, I salute everyone. I think uh, really uh, just to stay on this conversation of uh, diversity, mm -hmm. um, there's a, so much, I feel like had so many different conversations about diversity with people and um, I really just wanna know from your vantage point, especially being in the improv scene, I know mm -hmm. you probably, you know, met so many people who are, you know, working, working actors and actresses who are out in these, who are out in these streets just trying to get a piece. Yeah. All different races and ethnicities. And what have you noticed from your vantage point, I guess, this whole, you know, talk of diversity? And I'll tell you what mm -hmm. I've noticed from it, too. Um, I've noticed a lot. Like, when I first started doing improv, I would tell people that it was actually the place where I felt most okay to be who I was. Mm -hmm. Whether that is, you know, <clears throat> a, a black dude that sounds white to some people or... Mm -hmm. You know, the, the reverse, right? Like, people had never seen a black person before, so I'm super black to them. Mm -hmm. um, it didn't matter. Like, I felt like I was just me, and any choice or anything I did was fine. And then I started to sort of see that the politics of the game and peel back some layers, and you still do have some things to overcome. Like, 
people playing stereotypical black characters that aren't black or people take people that are um, of color that are playing stereotypical uh, characters of other races or other backgrounds and it's like at some point yeah this is this free space where you get to explore and you get to you know share your voice and share your message but sometimes people just take it as the baseline i'm just here to be funny i'm just here to throw darts right here to throw jokes and it's this weird balance that i've been seeing over the years where people have become more aware of offending people but it's also very hard to like say what's acceptable and what's not considering mm-hmm. how the art's supposed to work exactly and how stories will be told so like I think of like Django with like Leonardo DiCaprio and Christoph Waltz saying the N-word or any Quentin Tarantino film, for example, Spike Lee and Quentin Tarantino don't see eye to eye for that reason. And I kind of agree. But then at the same time, I'm like, well, it's I agree with both of them. Right. Spike Lee is like, you're a white guy writing this story using the N-word a thousand times. You, You do it a lot. You do it a lot. It seems like you just like to say it and you don't really understand like the necessity of how that word is used sometimes in conversation. Uh, I use it myself, but very sparingly as a very like, okay, I'm mad and I, you need to know that I'm serious with you sort of mm-hmm. a thing. Like, understand that I'm not playing games because I don't say it that much. Mm-hmm. Some people use it more jovially and like, hey, we're buddies. Mm-hmm. Some people don't use it at all because of the historic context with it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I get that Spike Lee piece. But then the Quentin Tarantino level, it's like, well, people use it. People do use it. And if I'm trying to create a narrative that's true to the world, I can't step around that word mm-hmm. so you see a lot of that sort of push and pull and improv too mm-hmm. to where you know you have people leaving uh leaving leaving stages at second city at ecc because of people that feel like they can say whatever they want in any space which mm. is really sort of a weird push and pull with the, the current climate and the p- political powers that are going to be unfortunately um coming up in this country where i can say what i want and then i can you don't have the right to be mad at what i said like no i do have the right to be upset sort of a thing so in terms of that's sort of diversity of language in terms of like diversity representation i'm starting to see more people of color but it's still a stretch i'm Mm -hmm. still very much uh one of a few if not the only black person in a room Mm -hmm. or on stage and so i'm cognizant of that and the choices that i make and it's hard like I've said this in previous um, podcasts that I've done, but like some audiences is like a good basic black joke. <laughs> like if you're struggling, not to not I'm saying I'm doing that at the expense of being black or to to make black be this funny thing. It's like I know if I say this thing in this way, like what y'all talking about, right? If I kind of play that character up a little bit more, or if I come in with like a fake Samuel Jackson, it's gonna get people to laugh and they're gonna open up, mm-hmm. as opposed to me just being more closer to who I am and, and having this voice and they're like, well, who's this guy? This is not a character I recognize. Exactly. So. Exactly. There's a, it's, it's weird. You got to pick your spots. Oh man, that's so crazy. Like what, um, my current feeling of it is, and I've had so many different conversations yeah. and tried to kind of like <clears throat> counsel friends of mine who are, you know, really in the game and trying to, you know, be very, very, you know, conscious of the roles they choose. Yeah. Um, especially being in Atlanta, I had a lot of friends going to school who were, you know, starving, starving artists and mm-hmm. wanted to get into the acting world and are currently doing those things and 
being especially because I went to HBCU is yeah. real big on just like making these choices and kind of like not compromising who you are and what you yeah, want to present it as. It's hard not to do that. It's it's very hard not to do that. I think now what I'm noticing in the conversation I've had with uh, my friend uh, Nicole, mm-hmm. uh, she spoke to me about um, a play that she auditioned for and how she felt upset and she was like told she expressed it to me she was like honestly i'm gonna let you know why i'm upset about how i feel like this is about to end with this like with this callback right and essentially she felt that she heard from the grapevine from someone she know who works in this uh, theater house that they want to cast a black woman for this role Mm -hmm. and she was essentially saying how she has so many friends who are who african-american uh especially african-american women who've who've gotten so many spots just like asked like handpicked like we want them instead of instead of the vice instead of just anyone else yeah and she felt the way because she was like i worked on this Mm -hmm. i went to the audition and i literally just got to go and just go to some other you know kind of like black theater house and find the the best person they have and be like okay we want you right can you do this and from from the flip perspective because i essentially i immediately was like i'm glad you're feeling this way Mm-hmm. Because this is the way that a lot of people felt for a long exactly, time. Exactly, yeah. Them being like skipped over and not chosen because of how they look. Yeah. So now it's almost like tables of turn because now it's a thing to be inclusive. Mm-hmm. But I told her that I have a problem with your, the, the theater house more than I do, you know, these, the, the, the kind of like the situation for you to even feel the way you feel. Because if they wanted that, if they wanted to cast a woman of of that complexion or at least to have a large array yeah. like if they didn't have a, a, a race in mind with this character because it's very just a regular character doesn't matter yeah they didn't I was like how did they uh, promote to, how did you find yeah. out about this she said I found out through Facebook and I was like who are the people who follow them on their Facebook pages and who are the people who are going to their plays and all these different things and she was like to be honest with you Rodney is mostly mostly white people and I'm like then that's their problem Mm-hmm. They're really not trying to be that diverse. Mm-hmm. Diversity is a tool they're trying to use to kind of like put on this show. Like you see, we're yeah, the, just something to put on the you know on the bill, like the diverse cast of this, this, and the third. And it's like, no, this is very manipulated. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you really, truly, truly want to celebrate diversity, you will do your due diligence. Yeah, you will go to these black playhouses. You will go and you will you know make sure you connect with these different resources. Mm-hmm. So. You go to these different schools. You go to all these different places where you know you'll get diversity. Yeah. You know that this is like a place where if you go to this like school or this university, you know they have a very very large Asian population. Go ahead and get them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know that this one's gonna have a, you know very large you know mm-hmm. Spanish population. Go and get that. Yeah. Cause all cause trust and believe everyone's trying to get theirs. Everyone's trying to you know get their spot yeah. and get their shine on and would love to get some work. Mm-hmm. If they did that. And then, you know, and yeah. then it was some, some bullshit. Then I'll be like, well, at least they tried. Right. They still chose the best person because they literally got a sample of every single thing. Mm-hmm. They're literally just throwing it out there, hoping that somebody comes. It's nothing but white people who come. Mm-hmm. And they like, well, damn. We kind of want to choose a, a, somebody else of color for this. Just letting everybody know. And that's what it, it is what it is. And it's, I, I feel like I, I feel a way because I feel like it's very exploitive if they kind of use this intentional mm. diversity at times. But mm-hmm. sometimes I love when they do when it. When they do it. Hence, why I wanted to ask you about until this when Margaret Cho uh, conversation. I, and I brought it up to you, uh, you know, when I was just thinking about the show and yeah. talking about it. And 
really I was just uh, wanted to know what you thought about it. Mm-hmm. And essentially, Tilda Swinton is playing this character in Doctor Strange, which you said you've seen, correct? Yes, I did. How was the movie? Uh, not my favorite. I feel like the greatest parts of the movie we already saw in Inception. <laughs> I figured. I figured yeah. that. I figured that. It, it didn't yeah. look like that though. But essentially, Tilda is playing a character in that film that originally within the comics was played by a Tibetan character. Yes. And he had a very kind of Fu Manchu stereotypical mm-hmm. um, kind of like presence that mm-hmm. he was like illustrated, um, like a lot of you know previous previous things you yeah. know Luke Cage is very stereotypical and mm-hmm. all these other things were very stereotypical within comics because they just didn't they didn't know how to handle uh, I think back then of course they definitely didn't know how to handle race yeah. they just did it on the most extreme way because mm-hmm. then you would know this is exactly who this person is but it's basic too when you think about it like mm-hmm. if I am of this one group and I, I recognize that other groups exist, but I never really interacted with them. Exactly. I'm just going to base them off of, like, the majority of what I think I see them doing. And the majority is going to understand who this is because yeah. of that. But essentially, Tilda Swinton went to Margaret Cho, her and a, her and a kind of group of people, mm-hmm. uh, emailed uh, Margaret and, like, essentially asked her, in so many words, asked her, like, look, people mad at me about this. I don't understand why because I thought I was doing the complete opposite. Like, I thought I was like actually adding diversity to the role, right? Kind of like breaking the stereotype of you know men passing knowledge down to another man, right? Yeah, and and always just you know being men teaching men and yeah. whatever, whatever, and especially men of the same you know similar race or whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. So now, and so so she's and also can you kind of like help me out the situation? Can you, if you co-sign me, mm-hmm. it'll bring down some of this heat. Yeah, uh, Margaret Cho came from a very very like stern like okay i'll help you out you know what i'm saying i'll let you know what's going on mm-hmm. and it was a very interesting perspective it, she essentially you know came at her about you know like this is actually a thing that's been a thing for a very long time a lot of asian americans just feel like why did they have to take away a character and this is just another example of whitewashing yeah that we've seen thousands and thousands of times throughout history and now, if you since you're not that familiar with social media, mm-hmm. this is a place where people voices their opinions, feel them some type of way, and they're gonna speak out on it. Yeah. So that's really how you can do it. And like she essentially gave her the advice to, if you want to get a part, you know, be a part, just you know, and try to mm-hmm. save face, you need to present, you know, and create platforms for Asian Americans to actually be able to present themselves, be a part of the process, produce or support films that are supporting these types of things yeah um margaret chodwell didn't feel some type of way she felt some type of way about the whole conversation she felt yeah. some type of way about her even coming to her about it because it was just weird yeah in the emails it says it's a private conversation yeah and she went on she goes on bobby lee's co- uh, podcast they talk about it and everything and essentially because she spoke about it Tilda Swinton's uh, people released the emails mm-hmm. announced a whole thing it became a whole thing on twitter um, 2016, the year of emails. <laughs> the, the year, the year of emails. Yeah, and <laughs> that's a, that's that's a t-shirt. Uh, um, yeah, I think everybody who's there they understand. Yeah, but uh, tell me, what do you think? Because I have so many. I've like had conversations with my coworkers about this, and it was a very very interesting. Tell me what you think about this choice that Marvel took to change this character. First off, I think there's because they do this a lot. Yeah, they do it a lot. Um, 
I think there's so many levels to it. Like, it is. Kind of what I was saying before about the Spike Lee, Quentin Tarantino thing. Like, I think there are correct intentions on both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, where the where the answer is, I, I can't really tell you, but I, I can sort of give you my view of sort of how how I see it is. So for Tilda, I get it, right? That this character that she's playing was a man, and she's a woman. That's a big deal. Big deal. Um, the important knowledge thing. She's she's the ba- she's the most badass character mm-hmm. in in the movie, which is great for diversity. But then when you get to a certain point and you kind of take it back to even United States history of like let's say voting rights, right? So you got your suffragettes that get the right to vote long before any woman of color does, right? Long before. Mm-hmm. So that's a struggle. But then you have you know, black men who technically got the right to vote before women. Mm-hmm. So then there's this men and women dialogue here. So it's not to play the pain Olympics, but it's to say who struggled for more, who struggled longer sort of a thing. Yeah, It's like white women are at the top of the tier, but in ways like as we see in Mad Men, like they've been treated like shit for a very long time too. Very true. So it's like how do you manage all these levels of inclusion to make everybody happy? I don't know how you can do that. Mm-hmm. So that's that. On a second level, from Margaret, Margaret Cho's sort of standpoint, is I get it. You have you have a stock slot basically. This is this Asian American character or just Asian general character that someone of Asian descent could play is now being ripped away from you, and so that's one less opportunity for representation, one less opportunity for work, for money to pursue your craft, mm-hmm. which sucks. Kind of in the way that like you see uh, Scarlett Johansson with Ghost in the Shell. Yes. Um, and there's another one I was thinking of that that is escaping me. Maybe it'll come back. But Aloha. Uh, not Aloha. Oh, shoot. If it comes back, I'll I'll let you know. Mm-hmm. But you you start to see these things where you're like, well, why can't that character just be Asian? And maybe we don't follow the stereotypes, right? If we're gonna if we're gonna go and make her a white woman, before we do that, how about let's make them Asian and just get rid of the stereotypes and make them dynamic in the way that that character is supposed to be. Right. Exactly. If we're going to make that big of a drastic change from the actual representation of the story, we might as well make the correct change. Instead of whitewashing, we should just like correct it. Make it better. Right. Make it, make it better. better. So instead of like the Luke Cage being like black exploitation, let's just make it black and like accurate in terms of how the lifestyle might have been at that time. Exactly. Or if you're going to make a black exploitation or whatever it is, like you got to be very clear that's what what you're doing. It has to be. Cuz otherwise you you know, if you cast a white person in a role that was supposed to go to anyone that isn't white, you're going to run against this type of pushback and you're going to have people saying, "Well, you again, you're just giving roles to white people and making white people the hero and making this weird guy complex with people that are white that obviously exists but that shouldn't exist mm-hmm. in the savior thing right dr strange is saving the world another white guy saving the world cool mm-hmm. it's like well how how do you make right with that when benedict cumberbatch a british guy from imperial britain <laughs> is saving the world like mm-hmm. you get back to all of these historical like i'm glad you mentioned that. imperialism colonizing messed up thoughts I'm glad you mentioned it's like that. why can't we just get away from that for yeah. once and yeah, yeah. so it's, a, it's a, so many different levels of like and i get it i i really appreciate putting a woman in that role but dang like be be intentional about the roles you give 
and think about the repercussions. Like she could have her Tilda Swinton and Scarlett Johansson, great actresses. With I think Tilda Swinton's in the new Star Wars, isn't she? I think so. So she's already got a great, powerful woman role. Not to say that she can't have more, but like, was this the right place to use her? Exactly. And for me, for me, I'm glad you said something about you know, the um, kind of like uh, just the choices that you make in so many being so many layers. Because in the conversation that we had uh, with my coworkers, and I was kind of like sitting there just kind of gathering my thoughts for this uh, specific episode, I'm sitting here thinking like. They brought up about, uh, it was like, everyone's going to always have a problem with certain things. Yeah. And it always depends on kind of like how you police these certain things and how you still want to still use your artistic license to get off the art that you've seen being made. Yeah. So uh, uh, someone gave me an example of uh, Selena. Selena was played by Jennifer Lopez, who, who actually is a Puerto Rican woman. Right. And Selena being... A Mexican American woman, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of people who had an opinion on that specifically. Yeah. Like y'all just trying to like jam saw together, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just just make it someone who who's Latin, and, and that's it. Good, we don't have to worry about that's specifics. what matters. That's why I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, Benedict Cumberbatch being you know British, mm-hmm. it's kind of like almost damn near a lot of the black men that we see on television in these very high power roles British are British. Uh, Twelve, Twelve Years a Slave was played by you know Chiwetel. Okafor, who was in Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. playing literally playing an American slave. I, I, actually, yeah, they have uh, Idris in The Wire. Idris in The uh, Wire. The, the police officer in The Wire too. Um, Not McNulty, the the bald black dude. Uh, he was actually British too, or something I didn't like know that. that. Yeah, he's got like a weird accent. But it's like those types of choices too, yeah. you know. And it's kind of like, damn, we're we're choosing these people who you know. So you're gonna have a problem with a little bit of everything. Yeah, like everything is an issue for me. Be... For me, um, my stance and what I always, you know, say is, when it comes to doing things that are for real, actual people, mm-hmm. damn it, be as close as possible yeah. to what the story really is. Find someone who can truly, truly connect. Yes. To this role, because you, you're you're saving yourself time. Because you, if you mm-hmm. if you get someone who you know. If you get like a, a John Boyega to play, you know, this, this American guy from, you know, from Brooklyn who's a starving artist, whatever, whatever, whatever. Why not get someone from Brooklyn? Yeah. First off. Yeah. Who's has who's some, doing that already. Who's yeah. doing that already. All those types of things. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting. Like, we, we brought in so many different elements of, you know, people feeling some type of way about all these things yeah. that are happening today and the choices that are being made. Um, and someone thought someone brought in uh, kind of like a suggestion. He was like, "This is how I feel like." <laughs> he said, "This is how I feel like everyone should cast if they really, especially when it's original pieces of work." Yeah. Cast like uh, Roger and Hammerstein's uh, Brandy's yeah. Cinderella. Yeah. How you had <laughs> Brandy as Cinderella. Her stepmother was a white woman. Her stepsister was white, and another one was black. Yeah. You had a, a prince like her prince was yeah. Asian. His parents were white and like and a. Yeah. You know, and it's just like like Hamilton true. or Master of None. Exactly. Yeah. It's true. It's truly a colorblind cast because these are roles that are being played. These are not all. They don't always have to have like this. You know, very stereotypical. You know, situation like you described. It's like, oh, okay, that kind of sound like a black guy. That's why yeah. I loved. You know, I'm seeing so much more now. People like choosing roles mm-hmm. that are 
typically not, you know, placed by those specific people. Yeah. Like within power, you have Tommy, who which you know, I haven't you, seen very much. If you, I haven't if seen that at all. Yeah. If yeah. you describe his character and just you know just from like a kind of like a cold reading or something, sounds like this is gonna be like a black big gangster dude. Yeah. When this is a whole ass white Irish man, mm-hmm. you know, from like Staten Island yeah. or something. You know what I'm saying? It's like, damn, that's interesting. He's like the hard. He wanted like the most wild mm-hmm. kind of like out of their type of people in the whole show was well, it's interesting i think like where you hit on with casting things that are historically accurate i think it's super important you have and i think you got to tie that into like cultural impact yes so like ghost in the shell is a really big deal to a lot of japanese people so to not see a japanese woman in that role is like smack in the face the popularity came from yeah. the Japanese sport. Right, like it came from the like the, the manga and the anime and all that stuff. So that makes sense. But everywhere else, no, I, I kind of agree. Like, be more creative with how you're casting. Like, find people from, if you got a character from Brooklyn, there's got to be someone in Brooklyn that can, that's an actor or an actress that can play those, you know, the, those roles and, and do them justice. Like, The Wire is great for that reason. They've got a lot of just real people that were from Baltimore in that show same thing with insecure now we're seeing and i'm sure atlanta has a lot of like pieces to that too yes and and like for for me it's like for me i believe you know in it's not that hard Mm -hmm. and every role and like think about even if they're the role was written for white characters don't whitewash everything else around well there's there's so much relatability i was actually you know thinking about this on the way over here um just thinking about just trying to prep my mind for the podcast and i was realizing like everybody's got like a strict mom story Mm -hmm. we think about cultures or races or whatever so like oh you know the classic uh black mothers you know she'll she'll give you a lot of grief and you know make you feel a certain way to follow her rules blah blah blah. but i've also heard the same things about like eastern european moms i've heard the same thing about jewish moms i've heard the same thing about african moms it's like i pretty much heard about every group that isn't like Western white people. And I'm like, that can't be true, right? Like, it can't be everyone else that isn't Western and white that holds these standards from their moms. It just, we all feel special for some reason. We wanna feel like we're that different. In in ways we are, like definitely look at life differently, but that's the thing I've heard from like everybody. Oh, my mom is this way. She likes to make you feel guilty or whatever to get her way. I was like, Mm. everybody says that, like everybody. So it's mm. like, okay, how different are we actually? Yes. So so it's to it's that important to make that delineation of like, oh, my Asian American mom or my, you know, Singaporean or whoever it is, right? Like, hmm, there are differences, but they're so subtle. And I think that's, the subtleties breaking out is what makes all these stories interesting. Yes. It's like the commonalities make you grounded like in, in, uh, Moonlight, right? Somehow everyone finds a commonality there, exactly. but it's the subtleties that get boosted up. There you go. Oh, yeah, we don't look at life that same way on this small, minute thing, and that's why we're different. Yeah, and I think it, it's it's not, I feel like it's not hard to kind of accomplish these things. Yeah. It's really, really not. And when it comes to just the choices that you make within film and television, I think television has came such a far away, but I think it has a lot to do with television increasingly uh, uh, women of uh, color and men of color and people of color going to places of power within mm-hmm. television now. And I think what the 
what was it? The um, I think it's the it's the V. It's one of the VP, one of the new VPs of ABC is a black woman. Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, Shonda Rhimes yep. getting to this large power production. You have you know Plan B with Brad Pitt who. Who um, a lot of people say ha- has like the most woke white people mm-hmm. on his team, <laughs> and he's producing films that are very, very provoking. And he's like the one funding these films that usually always are very filled with color. Yeah, like the last few heavy films that Plan B has done have all been very, very color filled. Has a lot to do because Oprah is a part of that too, but <laughs> but it, it is what it is. Yeah, and but it's the fact that he seen this this reason to make this olive branch it's like this is what needs to happen because this is what produces great art yeah it's not it's not these you know stories that we keep hearing there, stories that we there's keep a reason why uh, art great artists steal and like mm-hmm. emphasis on like steal and not appropriate right? yeah you steal quote unquote which means like oh I, you you got dreads rodney i don't think it's wrong for a white person to have dreads i'm mm-hmm. not one of those people i know there are people out there mm-hmm. i think it's wrong for a white person to have dreads and act like they're the ones that started the mm-hmm. style mm-hmm. or for um me to be black and be like oh this is ramen you ain't never had ramen black people made ramen like no that's yeah that's not our like that's yeah. not the history of it and that's not even that's, our thing yeah it's not <laughs> even our thing right but like there are people out there that want to do that and like yeah. media wants us to think that cornrows are this new thing that are cool like baby hair like all these different things that mass media wants to steal from other cultures and and box and sell it's like if you stole it, great, but just like give a little credit. Like I, I, I had a status earlier this year that was like, as as academics, we all understand like citing our sources, right? You, you find an idea in a book, Franz Fernand, Aristotle, whoever, you got a quote when you put it in your paper. That's it. If you take something from life, you got to do the same thing. Yeah. Oh, I like to wear dreads, and historically, these are the people that wore dreads. Mm-hmm. I appreciate them because they showed me how to make this. Same like Kanye West is doing his own thing this year, but like as a sample heavy producer he gets sued if he tries to use somebody else's work without giving them at least credit or compensation exactly why can't we do that with other parts of life that's all that matters no and i think it's really all 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 people are asking for literally is just you know not only just opportunities Mm -hmm. but to see themselves where they know they exist you know a lot of black people did couldn't relate to friends because it's set in New York, but you never see any people. You hardly ever see any people of color. Right. So I've seen what? jokes. Um, I just was watching the Carmichael show yesterday, mm-hmm. and it was a joke uh, Gerard had with his girlfriend. He was like, Maxine, let's, uh, you know, Maxine was like, okay, Gerard, let's um, watch Friends and see how long it takes us to see a, a, a black person. She was like, last time we made it through a whole season. Yeah. And it's like, damn. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not how, uh, yeah. that's not how it is. That's really not how it is. Like, literally, in almost every single type of, and this has been a thing with black art for so long. We all we have, we have, it's almost like we have no choice to include other people because yeah. that's our true existence. Yeah, it's like we write these things and we have to include someone else. It's the Spanish guy who works here. Mm-hmm. It's the you know the Spanish girl who's friends with your little yeah. sister. Which it's the you know it's I the, think we the white guy who's your boss. And I do I do think we can do better as well. Yeah. There's a lot of like this needs to all be black, and like even this conversation has been very white black, yeah. Which I'm trying to do better about. Oh, me too. There are other people out there that aren't white and are black. So many other people, and I think those a lot of those other people always are around and always exist. Yeah, and they have stories to tell, and also 
there's a there is a component within this that's really sometimes more interesting because mm-hmm. you bring in a cultural aspect to it that you usually don't have yeah. you bring another language aspect into it sometimes depending on what the story needs mm-hmm. so it's like having all those dynamics is what makes it interesting yeah. which makes it extremely dynamic and just pushes everything forward because anytime you hear it, it's a, a little bit more to anything it always makes it a little more interesting oh yeah like finding out Juan and Moonlight was was actually Cuban and yeah about this is like oh damn he really got a story like shit yeah there's it's other adding another spice mm-hmm. to the soup you know yeah Add another like flavor that you didn't know or didn't expect it's like damn oh that, that, yeah that's a hint of the hint of diversity yeah. in here it, you it's, know it's funny that you you say that another spice to the soup because it, it made me think of uh that that traditional phrase that America's supposed to be this great melting pot, mm-hmm. but a lot of times like it feels like, yeah, we're this melting pot, but we're only allowed to be one flavor of cheese, mm-hmm. American cheese. Yeah, and it's like what what you got all these other cheeses over here that would make this cheese dip like delicious? No, 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 we're using Kraft singles. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like well, it's, then I don't want this melting pot thing. I, I see, I see, I see America more of, uh, as a gumbo. Okay. We're all separate pieces. You have yeah. your sausage, your shrimp. Mm-hmm. Everything is literally separated because that's where they all reside and live. Yeah. And then you have a whole lot of white rice all around. <laughs> <laughs> and like, so it's kind of like everything is its own specific individual piece. And you, and you get that good roux going. You get that good roux going. And it can, puts us in the same place. Yeah. Location, social location, everything. We mm-hmm. have to deal with each other. But we're all still separate and we all are larger and smaller and mm. you know have a little bit more seasoning on yeah. us a little bit less every single piece even when it comes to those mm-hmm. grains of rice that seem very similar but are not yeah you know all each and every one of my different sizes different different textures different flavors whatever 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 representing you know the majority of of current america yeah um it's just everything's a little bit different so i feel like america loves to promote that melting pot mm-hmm. but in actuality we aren't more of a it's yeah we're, yeah we're all here but are we actually are we working together are we working together are we in these things all together because we have diverse cities we have the populations and mm-hmm. within each place that has you know more or less of whatever whatever mm-hmm. but yet again we're still all situated separated into those things and it's, it's nothing wrong with kind of being around people who you have something in common with but it's more so i guess the presentation and also having those places of inclusion and actually, you know, you know, always, always, always pushing, you know, the sense of like, let's coming together. Yeah. Because if you do that, then none of those things will matter. I think the tough part of that is like, you hear the, oh, we're becoming so PC. You can't joke about anything anymore. Like you hear a lot of that from a lot of places now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, is it, is it that we as a society become more PC? Mm-hmm. Or is it that there's now finally more pressure to be accurate? and mm. precise with our language mm. it's like you can joke about things you should be able to but as long as you know what you're saying and the power behind what you're saying so you can be like just kidding i'm joking or by the way this is a, this is a satirical statement that i'm making when i say this thing that may be deemed racist or sexist or pra- or uh, problematic then it's like okay we can have a conversation but if you just blurt out things and say Oh, when you receive criticism, oh, well, you're being PC, you're being a bleeding heart liberal. It's like, well, and I don't want to talk to you because you're immediately defensive. It's going to make me defensive. Exactly. Because you're uninformed. If you were more informed and more accurate. You wouldn't even say this. You wouldn't even say it. Or you'd say it and you'd be able to uh, communicate it to me in a way that I wouldn't be offended. Mm -hmm. I would immediately know 
what message you're trying to say. Now, maybe I'd be offended a little bit, but it would make me think more about, well, how do I then, how do I want to, to engage with you to educate and not in a way that, like, I need to educate you, like the Tilda Swinton to Margaret Cho, but, like, hey, I, I actually believe in you as a person, and I don't think you meant to say this this way, given this context, so let me give you this piece of knowledge. Of course. Of yeah. course. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. So, the last question I have for you is, what do you believe, I guess, I guess kind of, like, things that you plan to do for yourself to mm-hmm. kind of, like, add to kind of, like, this, this world that we are living in when it comes to just art, film, and just all different types of work to kind of place yourself, you know, and be a part of the, the conversation, a part mm-hmm. of the movement of adding diversity. Yeah. What, um, do, what do you feel like your, are your solutions or the things that you personally going to do? Big question. It is. <laughs> Huge question. I think uh, the first place that I, like if I get to the level of influence that I would like to be at, would just be to be less of a, be at the same time like an artist to be interpreted but not such of an art such an artist that I can't be um, I can't be asked to explain my art. I feel like there's a lot of artwork, a lot of visually stunning things, audibly stunning things that are just left to like here I gave you this great thing you think about it and I'm not going to tell you what my purpose was. That is great, but then it can be very dangerous cuz then it's kind of like the Bible, like you could read it a thousand ways, you could read it to make racism be okay you can read it to make rape be okay murder be okay religious wars etc mm-hmm. or i'm like not to compare anything i make to the bible but uh if i were to create something and just leave that out there that's great because it could lead to a lot of positive interpretations but it can lead to equally as many negative bad misinterpretations so like i want to be able to put things out that provoke thought but then if the wrong thoughts start to be provoked, I can come out and say, actually, no, 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 this was the idea behind it. This is the mm. piece here that, that I wanted people to chew on and digest and deal that's with. That's real, that's real. Yeah, to sort of to unpack, like, even where influence comes from. So uh, I'm very sporadic in how my brain sort of works and how I connect ideas. So it might be a video game song that I sample to make a beat mm-hmm. that I also match with, like, a James Taylor song. And, and like a, a Jim Croce song, if anyone's familiar, to make a song that might sound like, I don't know, Young Thug or whatever. And it's like, okay, all of these different influences that come from so many different parts of the world. You have gamer nerd, you've got like 60s and 70s folk singers, and then you've got very street but weird rapper for young money coming together to make this new thing. Okay, just helping people realize like, it's not a black song because it's now a hip-hop thing, even though hip-hop was founded and started by primarily black and Latino people. And it's now this new, like you said, gumbo mm-hmm. result of we wouldn't have a lot of our great songs. Like, we wouldn't have a lot of Drake songs without a lot of white artists. We wouldn't have a lot of, you know, like, getting people to realize the things that we wouldn't have that we love so much that we think are ours in our cultural groups that we wouldn't have without other people. I feel like that's really the thesis of what i want to do beautiful man i don't know how to do that but like if i had if i had that level of influence that would be great just to mm. i feel like that's where you start to get people to appreciate one another yeah. where you see like uh what's his name from the rat pack it's frank sinatra uh, oh, sammy davis sammy jr you get people that would normally probably be very racist and 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 people that would like the rat pack 
go, you know, that Sammy Davis Jr. isn't too bad because of this, this, and that. Well, in all sort of arenas, I want to get people to start doing that and not just because, oh, he sings songs in a way that I like, but to go a little bit deeper than that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I believe that you don't even have to, I guess, set that benchmark for yourself to even think that you have to reach this influence because it can mean so much to do it from any level that you're at. Yeah. And, um, and I say this to everyone who's listening, to especially people who are in this world of of doing all these different things within the arts and contributing to the, the world of artistry, always, you know, be conscious. Mm-hmm. I believe, you know, for all, for all black people, white people, um, all shades of brown and yellow and every little single plate person that you can identify yourself to be, when you do in, when you go into this art, be intentional with it. Be very specific. Mm-hmm. Be, understand everything that's going to happen and how this can be perceived. Never overthink, mm-hmm. of course, but always understand that you're putting these things together. This is how it's going to be viewed, and that was your intention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Simply, just- simply put, if you are if you're making a film that is you know ripping and very informative and very you know. And just just provoking of thought, beautiful. Mean that. Stick to that. Go all the way forward. Or if you're making this very satirical, interview esque movie where you're literally playing, you know, at a at real ideas and real people, but adding this fictional story to it, and being the most rebellious. All those things come from a place of like true honesty, and I believe keep those things in mind. Keep in mind all the things that are already present within the world that you live in, because. Think you never want to make a film and just assume that people are uh, gonna get it, gonna get it, or yeah. ready for those types of things. Yeah. So always understand that you know, damn. Well, I'm making this film about you know I'm a white man making this, about to make this very black film and whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. Yeah, people are gonna love it. This hasn't been seen. I'm gonna. I think it's gonna be great. Watch. And yeah. This is all coming from your own opinion. That's why I believe having a diverse background mm-hmm. and foreground the people in front and behind the camera yeah. have to be diverse yeah if you want to create something that is very 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 uh accurate it's diverse you your consultations are exactly yeah. what they need to be and that is what makes beautiful art all the things that i found to and, myself loving i find out that's what they the, yeah. the cast and the crew culminated of so many different types of it's people. just general being accountable and understanding that if if someone uh, approaches you with a, an issue or a criticism that most times they're doing it out of either passion or love. Mm-hmm. So they didn't care about you, they wouldn't say shit to you. Exactly. So like what you said about that diversity in front of the camera and, and, and behind made me think of Matt Damon. And like he almost got it, right, with that Project Greenlight thing and, and saying we, we need to have representation in front of the camera. But we need it behind the camera too to un- help other people understand the opportunities that are there and his response i felt like was disappointing very and it was like you almost got it Mm -hmm. but because you think you're so self-righteous and so self-just that you don't want to listen to the nuance of how you could possibly be wrong and you're not going to grow because you think you figured it out Mm -hmm. because you're so so successful yeah can't be in front of Let's just give them that. Right. But it's like, there's so many more people like who don't want to do Yeah, that. it's like, Matt Damon, like, we love you, and we want to keep loving you, and sometimes that means we got to smack you down and be like, eh, you're not right. You need to look at it this way. And I would hope that more people would be like, 
all right, I don't feel like I'm wrong, but I'm going to listen to the people that are telling me I'm wrong and maybe find something true that I can work on within mm. that. Because if enough people start to tell you you're wrong, you got to start to question. Very true. Yeah. Very true. I think, I think we've said so much and said just, just enough. And I really, really, I really want to thank you, Ian, for coming. Well, thanks for and having like, me. And making time to do this. I'm looking forward to a beautiful year. Um, I definitely um, plan to, you know, come and support you within one of your one of your many uh improv troops and one of the shows and also work with you on anything that you may need help on just need support with i'm here to be used Appreciate and um and also i just want everyone who's listening to you know keep uh keep hope alive stay positive and honestly uh in your year within a within a very very positive note understand that everything that's happening in your life happens for a reason and that everything will definitely become better now i'm not a firm believer of new year new me but i feel like in this year with so many things happening so many people with so many different energies you know kind of changing the paradigm in certain ways or kind of real people are realizing things that they never realized and people are seeing things that they never had you know had to see and realize in their lives i'm glad that it's here i'm glad that it's present and i feel like it's going to actually propel us forward i see it as positive because you got to go down before you can come up so go into this next year on an upstream on an up note on a positive tip and positive vibes keep positive people around you keep positive things around you and also take risk and try those things you haven't tried especially in 2016 and every previous year Thank you all for listening. If you didn't know, now you know you can listen to the Simply King podcast on most places podcasts are available from the the Apple Podcast app, SoundCloud, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. Uh, I'm also on the directory called Podcast in Color. You can follow me on everything as Kings underscore memoirs. Where can they find you? Where can they follow you, Ian? You can find me performing at the Playground Theater almost every Wednesday, uh, 8 o'clock. It's... uh Real good show, uh, the new show. Currently, I'll be doing a show called Trash Boy at the Annoyance Theater every Friday um, until February. That's at 8. Uh, you can also find me on SoundCloud, uh, Thane Thinna. That's T-H-A-N-E-T-H-I-N-N-A, a music producer. Um, and then just in general, if if, you, if you're listening to this, you can find Rodney. You can find me. So. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Trust, we're going to have all this in the description as well so you can always connect and support Ian Williams. He's a guy out here trying to be, trying to literally push what's going on in the world, especially in the world of just television and film. It's beautiful, beautiful. Got to support people who are out here doing what they love. Thank you all for listening. This is Simply King, the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for Humans Simply Being Humans. Thank you for listening. Love y'all. Talk to y'all next week.